first of all, these virtual worlds serve the same purpose as the football stadium or as the pub or a nightclub. It's a place to meet and socialize. That's like the next big shift. And I think, yeah, the future, it just makes sense that we're going to spend more time inside of these virtual worlds and these virtual worlds are going to have more function to us. Welcome to the Small Talk podcast brought to you by Small World, the agency that builds scale-up brands. I'm Dan. I'm Harvey. Welcome to Small Talk, Eric. It's lovely, lovely to have you down. I know we've had to reschedule a couple of times, but we're really happy to sort of have you. And I know you're a, a sort of busy man, so glad to have sort of uh, uh, tied you down. As a first introduction, we'd love to sort of know a little bit about you as a person. Yes. Brief two lines on how you got to where you are today before cool. we jump into Carter and what you're, all the amazing things you're doing there in the metaverse. Cool. First of all, thank you very much for having me and sorry for the reschedule. No worries. <laughs> but now I'm here and I'm very happy to be here. But yeah, okay. The, the sort of my background if I go way back I sort of was in the business of making people have fun that's where I started that basically when I was a teenager I was the one that was throwing those over ambitious house parties that had a <laughs> DJ and a bar and then that turned into warehouse raves that turned into nightclubs and gigs and and basically putting on events and making people have fun and as those events became bigger uh, brands wanted to sponsor them and that I guess is how I became an event marketer which basically uh, you know helping brands do cool events uh, to market their products and etc. And uh, I came into the world of gaming through esports actually. So uh, I got a job throwing uh, after parties at Dreamhack, which is a big gaming event in Sweden. I'm from Sweden, by the way, and uh, working for Twitch, which is the big gaming broadcasting um, platform. And I absolutely fell in love with esports and I knew I had to be a part of that because it was like the biggest shift in youth culture I come across uh, in my life. And that's what led me into esports and gaming. I got a job at Fnatic, which is one of the biggest esports teams uh, here in London. And that's when I made the move. And I was doing all kinds of fun stuff, expo booths, pop-up shops, parties, etc., all around the world for Fnatic uh, and Fnatic's partners like BMW, Jack Links, AMD. But then the pandemic happened. And I couldn't do physical events anymore. And I started looking into what we could do inside of virtual worlds and video games. And I realized what was happening with the democratization of virtual worlds, the metaverse, and this vision of the future where, you know, more and more of social um, social, uh, social life and culture and commerce and community and entertainment is happening in these video games and virtual worlds. And uh, I also realized that basically Fortnite and Roblox, especially, which were two of the biggest games on the planet, were open to having brands do branded experiences inside of them for free. You don't have to, a brand doesn't need to pay a license to uh, create a brand experience on Roblox or Fortnite, which was brand completely new and revolutionary in, in my space. And me, I'm, I'm a, you know, remember I used to, I, I like to make people have fun. I like to, you know, uh, do marketing through experiences and events. To me, this was just like, it made my head spin because it was the most exciting thing i come across all my life. Because now we can create these virtual experiences that are, you know, uh, that millions of people can access, but also relate to. And we can do, you know, event marketing with limitless scale, which, you know, to me, it was just the most exciting thing. And I knew I had to quit my job. 
to start uh, the company uh, that I now run and I'm the CEO and, and founder of, which is called Carta. And uh, yeah, cool. And before we crack into that, I just want to say it's amazing to see the different, the glint in your eye increase at each step when you <laughs> said, you know, I started off doing raves and events and then I went and found out about gaming and esports. And then that became, you know, another way for me to make people have fun. And then I discovered Virtual Worlds, which is almost like your younger self putting on those raves and events thinking, oh God, now I could put a raven event on that's like in space, for instance. Like yeah, exactly. It's, it's those different, it, it, different exactly levels. That. I guess before we also get into Carta, I wanted to come back to, because you've already mentioned like virtual worlds, for instance, and I think you're, the way that you ground the idea of the metaverse as a concept to people is 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 one of the best that I, I've sort of seen because I think we're, everyone's kind of getting sick to death a little bit of the last year of like the, the buzzwordy yeah, yeah. nature of like the metaverse, right? And the amount yeah. that particularly people who like brand makers and marketeers talk about the metaverse in such an abstract term. Yeah. And Mark Zuckerberg is probably the biggest poster child of this, but yeah. see it as this kind of future thing that isn't here right now, but actually you see it just like all of the people who are engaging on virtual worlds and virtual platforms as something that's here today, here now, yeah. and people can f- have fun with experience and yeah, generally in- enjoy right now. So I wonder if you could give us sort of your definition of the metaverse with your Carter tinted glasses. I think I sort of touched in on, on it a little bit, what I said about like, I, 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 you know, video games is the biggest entertainment form on the planet. There's like 3.3 billion gamers or something like that. I don't know the latest number. And basically, I think, you know, we're living more and more of our lives in these virtual worlds and we and they are serving more and more different and diverse functions. So it's not just a place to go for entertainment on your own. Like it used to be when I was a kid, you played Super Mario or uh, on your own, you know. Then I think now what we're seeing a shift towards is that, first of all, the, the these virtual worlds, they serve the same purpose as the football stadium or as the, the pub or a nightclub. It's a place to meet and socialize. That's like the next big shift where where people are playing games the gaming is there to facilitate the socialization not uh, your gaming and your meeting people and your socializing it's like the shift of like focus and i think yeah the future it just makes sense that we're going to spend more time inside of these virtual worlds and these virtual worlds are going to have more function to us so it will be yeah it will be still for having fun but it will also to be uh, socializing uh, consuming other forms of entertainment together in social settings and then obviously shopping new jobs will arise etc and i think yeah we're just gonna you know live more and more of our of our lives inside of these virtual worlds and especially more and more of our free time inside of these virtual worlds i think also but yeah i i get sick to death and i'm i often get put on panels where people have very big lofty visions of 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 the metaverse and the future and i i get that people get tired of it but you know my sort of message to marketers or brands or sport teams or artists is like you need you have always needed to be where your audience is and you know today tomorrow the day after that that will be inside of these video games and virtual worlds mm. you know uh, and you know that it's the same reason why we you know brands had to start doing television commercials it was because people were watching more television they had to move uh, you know same with social media you had to follow the audience right yeah totally totally and i think i think you're yeah you're totally right even the interesting bit that you just mentioned there like as a kind of a flippant comment but the idea of like job creation like you're 
testament to that right now, right? You hire a, a bank of people who are, have, you know, have basically had jobs that wouldn't have existed in exactly. the last you know, yeah. year, two years, possibly. Um, so I think, yeah, it, again, there'll be more opportunity that, that arises, not just for consumers, but for brands, for it, it, people. Honestly, it's one of the greatest thing, I think, or for the things that bring me the most joy on like, uh, with this whole thing is that like helping someone that has been, you know, it's a young 20 something person that has been honing their skills in the in their bedrooms on their favorite platform going from you know a video game player to someone that starts developing games or building 3d worlds or designing wearable digital wearables etc and helping them turning that passion that that skill into uh, from hobby to career is is awesome you know that's super cool yeah, it's similar to, I suppose, the, like you said there, but the idea of the, the YouTuber, right? That didn't exist. Exactly, to, yeah. This, for, you know, that's probably the best example for people watching is, you know, think about the idea of a job of a YouTuber not existing now. If you ask most teenagers what they want to be, the large majority say YouTuber or influencer or creator yeah, is one of the highest um, up on the list. And I think it's very similar what's happening, actually. What, what YouTube did was a democratization of video, right? Basically, before you needed to own a TV channel or a Hollywood studio, etc., or at least a, a bunch of expensive cameras and have some connections to reach, um, you know, millions of viewers. YouTube democratized video, Instagram democratized fo- uh, photography. Platforms like Roblox and Fortnite are democratizing uh, video game experiences or virtual experiences. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And I guess now, you know, it's taken us a bit to get into it, but give us your uh, your elevator pitch on Carter and I guess what exactly you guys do. What exactly kind of we do. Yeah, that's that's the tough one. But but I guess, yeah, what, what we do, we, we help brands activate inside of virtual worlds and connect with their audience that already exists there and uh, basically deliver really powerful, effective, experiential marketing. Then we're doing it in a bunch of different ways across different platforms. So what makes a lot of our competitors are often uh, studios that are focused on one platform. We're platform agnostic. So we, you know, we work across any you know virtual world really we have uh, our own studio on roblox because we see a lot of we're getting a lot of business on roblox right now but but we're working across fortnite to central and the sandbox we basically you know help the brands or the our clients go where they need to go based on who they're trying to reach and what they're trying to achieve right yeah so yeah i don't know if that was a few floors maybe no. 10 floor ele- elevator pitch not <laughs> yeah, like ten, as a 10 floor elevator, yeah. that's fine we're, we're in a big fancy building yeah, yeah, we're going yeah. To the c-suite that's, yeah that's exactly long <laughs> cool and i guess what Talk to me about why we've again we've kind of talked about it a bit yeah. already. There's there's an unprecedented amount of people on these platforms right yeah, now. Yeah. It's increasingly this audience that brands see as really valuable. This kind of Gen Z to millennial mm-hmm. audience that is increasingly you know getting more and more money and will be their customers for years to come. Yeah. But for you, why do you think the ability to create these experiences is more exciting than it's ever been before is it because platforms like roblox and fortnite that have kind of both both mass reach but also an unrivaled like you said democratization ability to create worlds 
what would you say are like your your top reasons why now is the right time for brands to kind of enter yeah so so the reasons why it's happening now is that you have a massive platform like roblox and fortnite Uh, they uh, roblox has almost 60 million daily active users fortnite has 30 plus million daily active users and they are free to use so before when you wanted to collaborate with a big video game you would have to pay millions as a brand to be inside of that video game that's like the first thing that needed to happen Uh, the second thing that needed to happen is that there's a culture of exploration on these platforms just like on youtube you don't just watch one channel you don't just you're looking constantly looking for new content to explore so basically the audience is there to try new experiences they want to check out new things so you have the behavior on the platform already there then i think there's like uh, you know then you have the sort of bigger vision of the metaverse that's driving which basically a lot of companies across many you know building the metaverse is sort of their their new goal so it's not just you know Zuckerberg there's a you know I can't remember what they're called the metaverse council but there's you know Epic Games who does Fortnite and then like 30 40 other companies they you know started to figure out like how do we build this thing together right because we're all needed yeah I think those are the the things it is free to use it's very you know you can reach millions of people and they're interested in brands messages and experiences and yeah it's it's just really exciting and a a new way to do marketing. There's also a lot of smaller reasons we can. Yeah. Do you want me to go into no, them as well? I'm sure we'll touch on them as, as yeah. we go on. Don't worry. We need to don't need to get that granular. By the way, I really want an invite to the Metaverse Illuminati. That sounds yeah, like exactly. It. <laughs> it sounds pretty surely cool. I'm, I'm not. I'm not door, uh, maybe one day. Maybe I don't. I don't think I'm there yeah. yet. Yeah. No. It sounds great. It sounds like a, a Doctor, like the Illuminati and Doctor Strange, like yeah, a bunch of, exactly. bunch of characters coming out from from the background to talk. About I hope Metaverse. it's like that. I hope it's like that. Yeah, like a probably big, a lot big more, table. Probably a lot more boring, right? <laughs> uh, just a really big Microsoft Teams meeting. I guess that segues nicely into, can you talk to me about what at the moment you're seeing is making a good, in inverted commas, sort of a good experience um, for people on the platform? And I guess if we were to use that good, bad and ugly analogy, I think you said, you know, Vans, for instance, created a really good experience mm-hmm. on Roblox. Nike's was seen as kind of good. There's a bit of debate, which we'll get into yeah. later on, like whether it was was a success or not. Yeah. And then the ugly is something like a Gucci, for instance, which people say, you know, maybe wasn't as successful. Maybe ugly is a bit harsh, but yeah, ugly might um, be a bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think the the things that works really well. I I, I think other. Uh, I, there's an example I, I love to talk about when it's about the good, right? So, so Alo Yoga is this uh, yoga wellness uh, company from the US uh, who is obviously not the most obvious choice to do a Roblox experience. Yeah. And basically what they did, they created this, you know, beautiful looking island, which you could come onto and you could learn about breathing exercises. You, you could watch yoga instruction, you know, videos, and you could pick up yoga merchandise as well. That's another yeah. small reason you can actually sell branded virtual stuff on Roblox as a yeah. brand. And it was a massive success. I don't know the, the I think it's like 45 million uh, visits now, or even it might be more. Yeah. And, you know, one of the most successful, one of the most loved activations on the platform, much more loved than, uh, you know, Nike, Gucci, uh, Wimbledon, uh, etc. All of these like uh, Puma, these cooler brands. People love the Alo Yoga experience because it treated these young people like with respect and, and said that, hey, you're a thinking 
person. You're not like some little child, you know. Yeah. Uh, we think that you would benefit from, you know, learning about wellness and yoga and breathing exercises. And the, the audience loved it. It was like, it was a massive, massive success. I think the games that, or the experiences that fail are the ones that really you can tell that these were a bunch of grown-ups that tried to do something for the kids. Yeah. That I think can often, can often land quite uh, poorly. Yeah. You, I can also tell when someone doesn't, so like when they haven't understood the platform and the culture of the platform. Yeah. Because uh, it's different. I feel like that's also something Roblox developers, they're always talking about this, like how they they see brands doing activations that are like, they don't know the platform. They don't know the platform, you know. But yeah, I think, uh, I think Alo Yoga is one of the best examples of like a great execution and, and a, a really strong message. It was probably the most unlikely to have be a hit, right? When you yeah, think yeah. about it. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting. I, I guess that's, Again, if you bring it back to, so if, you know, we're talking about Web3 and the metaverse now and we try and compare it to things that happened in maybe Web2, for instance, it's very similar to when, you know, when you first started on, even like TikTok, which is relatively new, people would say, oh, if you want to be successful on TikTok, you need to be authentic, you need to partner with, with creators yeah. um, to tell your message and to tell, Not true, tell, your eh? brand, to tell your brand story. Yeah, You need um, to be yourself. Yeah, as always. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I suppose the point is, yeah, you can't come on as a brand and just do the same thing that you were doing on another platform or the same thing that you were doing on a TV ad or the same thing that you're doing in traditional forms of media and just have yeah. that work. It's always working within the platform, but also working, yeah, in being yourself. TikTok is such a good example of like a platform that has provided like, because it, it was not taken seriously by brands. And then, then things like the Ryanair yeah project could happen right mm. which completely changed their brand it's probably by far the most successful marketing they have done since the inception you know of yeah. of this you know hated airline <laughs> that now people you know kind of like yeah and i think actually that's a, that's something that goes for any new platform and, and including Roblox and Fortnite, which is, you know, it gives a chance to brands to sort of reinvent themselves, which is what Ryanair did with the talking <laughs> airplane yeah. videos that really went super yeah, viral. Yeah, the fact that they just really lean into the stereotypes that people already have about their brand. They're like, well, we they, they don't shy away from it, right? It's like we, brand is something that you, you manage. Should, this is it, right? As yeah. On a macro level, uh, you know, let's ignore Roblox or Fortnite. And on a macro level in marketing, that's, that's it. Yeah. Like it, it, people respond to realness. And if you are a brand that people don't love be aware of that and you can use that yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, there is an example segueing back into roblox which i'm not sure it's a failure yet but i i do think it's going in that direction and that was walmart yeah came onto roblox a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and it's probably one of the most expensive entrances onto the platform uh there they have they're having concerts with some huge artists uh, young blood, uh, who was it? Madis, I can't remember, but like it was a, a, a couple of big artists that you know Walmart has to pay out yeah. of there because <laughs> it's not the coolest. To me, as a marketer, I love trying to figure out how to work with a bank and marketing banking to uh, you know young people. It's like because it's the ultimate challenge as a marketer, right? But Walmart had not done that. 
It was just the most generic. What did the physical experience look like as well? Was it basically just like a concert hall that they'd recreate? No, it was like, you know, a sort of classic Roblox, um, low poly, colorful, vibrant world with some mini games. There was quite a few funny articles about this. Someone described it as the, what is it? The the eye of Sauron. uh, (laughs) Because they they had like the Walmart logo quite big in like a sort of eye shaped thing uh, that was looking down on the people. Basically... What it was that this experience, you could have changed it to any brand. And that I think is any type of marketing. That's what you never want, right? Yeah. Like it should be you. It should be, it should feel like you, whoever you are. Yeah. If you're Nike or if you're Ryanair, Mm -hmm. it has to feel like you. And that's, that's what's going to work. Yeah. So, so that, uh, and and they have been rinsed, you know, (laughs) for uh, quite a bit. But it's obviously a massive success on LinkedIn. Things yeah. always are, right? Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Just like this podcast will be a yeah. massive success. On. This is a massive success. Like rinsed on Roblox. <laughs> you, you kind of touched on it a little bit there as well. There were two points that I wanted to talk about. Um, the first one was the idea of, uh, well, it talks to this kind of like, I guess, authenticity or in a way kind of brands understanding the platforms they're on so there's lots of brands for instance i think it was was it bmw did the cold play thing yeah yeah um, who there are lots of brands who will come and say well we need to completely control the world again they don't want to have to manage the brand they yeah. want to be able to be in complete control of their yeah. brand rather than let people brand should be a relationship right they don't want people to kind of have a two-way relationship with them yeah. they want to just create the world and have people come and experience it on its own and then leave mm. So there's one, there's one world of thought that says, okay, that's how you do an experience in the metaverse. Mm. Varying, varying success, I guess. But then the other argument, which is obviously the argument that you, that you would follow is go where, go where your audience is, right? Mm. That how many times can a brand, unless you're really a, a loved brand, like a, you know, Nike, Apple, and there's maybe two others in the world, maybe on, on, on your hand that you can count that can build something in a city in the metaverse in the ocean, wherever it is, and yeah, people yeah. will actively come out and seek it. Yeah. Um, but for the rest of brands, you have to go where your audience is. And I guess the other strategy is, like you said, working within Roblox and Fortnite. But I wonder if you had any points of view on that, you know, the, the pros and cons of yeah. going where your audience is or being com- in complete control and building like a beautiful world that exists outside of the platform. Yeah, I mean, it is it's very similar to like the cons, yeah, kind of what you talked about, like, you know, put put your video on a random website or upload it onto YouTube, right? Like yeah. this, uh, you know, yeah, you control everything around your video, but uh, you're not going to have the millions of millions of people that are already on there to to reach. But so, I th- but I think the the thing with especially with virtual experiences is that they're basically really hard to relate to if they're freestanding. Because you you can't compare them to any experience you've had before, really, because they're happening in a new world. You know, everything sort of exists in relationship to each other. Uh, You know, every meal you have, if you go to a restaurant, you're going to compare it to the other restaurants you went to. And that is going to see make make you understand if it was good or bad because of all the experiences you had before. Maybe this will change as more and more people visit more and more virtual experiences that are freestanding. Then this problem might disappear. But I think... I think right now there's a massive challenge of making a virtual experience that exists on its own without five, six years or 10 plus years of culture and references of people that have been playing every day on this platform. It's just really hard to relate to when you hop in onto a, a new virtual experience. And it's also the numbers 
I never seen any of these activations publish any visitor numbers. And I heard whispers about, you know, because obviously getting Coldplay to do a virtual experience, that's not cheap, you know. Yeah, the ROI can't have uh, kind of. Yeah, it must be it must be scary numbers, honestly, per person, you know. And I guess, yeah, there's one other point I guess you you kind of brought up there, but it's, it's kind of comparable to in the real world. Yeah, like putting in putting something almost like putting an experience on water and asking people to walk across water to get to it, right? Because it's like people know how to... I've played Fortnite before, right? I've actually never played Roblox, so I've, I've played Fortnite before. I would know how to jump into an experience in Fortnite and I would feel great handling a controller and being uh, in that world. If you suddenly put me in Roblox or a platform, yeah. a platform I just had a custom-built platform that's built by BMW you kind of have a bit of almost like seasickness, like the equivalent of seasickness, yeah. right? You don't know how to feel. You don't feel comfortable in that world. Yeah, you don't yeah, feel comfortable yeah. in that platform. And then people associate that feeling with your experience as well. 100%. Which is, you know, not great. And I think that's why, you know, the sort of big one that everybody talks about, Travis Scott was yeah. so powerful, right? Because it was like, oh, all of a sudden he is in my world. I have spent 5,000 hours on this island in this game I love. And yeah. now my favorite rapper is walking across this this island as a 100 meter tall giant, you know? Mm. That is cool. If if that was happening in a virtual world that you've never visited, it's not cool that he's there. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But there are people who, who are subscribed to that, this vision of the future, and I, I can see it. It's like, you know, they might say that like, yeah, but you want your own website that sits without uh, connection to everything else, right? Yeah. Which is a fair point. So- I guess that they're, they're, what they're prepping for, right, is in BMW's best case scenario, right, we get to a place where we have some kind of to- technology yeah. or it's built on the blockchain or whatever that might, whatever might exist that allows Fortnite to connect to Roblox to connect to so you can yeah. seamlessly phase your avatar throughout all of these yeah. different yeah. places. Yeah. And then it doesn't seem so much of a hassle to suddenly hop over to Joytopia no. to go and look at Coldplay quickly before you jump back over for Travis Scott at seven exactly or that. Yeah, um, Maybe it's just a matter of time. Maybe we'll they're see. just trying to get first mover advantage. I think it's more the former of what we spoke about, but <laughs> I'm I, definitely... won- I wonder how much first mover advantage uh, sort of plays into these sort of things. Yeah. I don't think it, it might not be that big actually. I don't. I think of things like this, I, I actually prefer the sort of second mover advantage in it, like in terms of looking at, all of the mistakes that people have made or what exactly. worked and what didn't work and then going going hard on the things that have worked. I think there's, you know, people yeah. big up first mover advantage a bit too. I think it works in categories where it, like an Uber or something. Exactly. You know, that. It work, works and things like that. But I think in terms of marketing, actually sometimes second mover advantage is better because you I can think see so, how yeah. to work with audiences and how, how to communicate. Yeah, that makes um, sense. This, I think the same things are true of when you saw like all of the NFT marketing activity that happened at first. And at first it was just like Visa were like, we're just going to buy like a CryptoPunk and then that's just it. And okay. then as you saw other brands come into the space, they started to do more, Adidas started to do more innovative things. But, the, and, but in that particular case, uh, the third mover advantage wasn't there. That was no, uh, no, no. releasing <laughs> uh, releasing 10,000 NFTs and, and selling 400 or, yeah. uh, and stuff like this <laughs> after the crash. Yeah, no, totally. Oh my God. I think in general, yeah, and NFT marketing is completely yeah. separated from this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, this, sorry, the second point to go all the way back to the when when I first started my two points. The second point um, is just around the ability to. You said it right at the beginning, and that's when you got the biggest glint in your eye. This ability to really create something that is outside of the boundaries of financial restrictions, right? Like yeah, if you're building cool, yeah. these experiences in real life, it just wouldn't be, one, it wouldn't be feasibly possible, but two, the actual money involved to actually put together these experiences yeah. would, would be far too much as well. So 
it's also interesting that you see certain brands, like the Walmart example is probably not the exact example, but you see certain brands like Gucci and others who maybe recreate things that are in the real world, like yeah, showrooms yeah. and fashion shows and things like that. And it's like, actually, that's not, you're, you're, yeah, great, you can do that, but you're kind of thinking too small, right? Because these platforms actually allow you to bend the the possibilities of, uh, of, of like reality and you're not, you know, brands should lean into that and should 100% do completely crazy and wonderful things with a brand they couldn't actually do in, in the real world. Absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, they, I think because brands are often self-obsessed and, and they're really into what they are thinking are super important, super cool things uh, that they are doing, yeah. but maybe the audience doesn't care that much. But then there's obviously, uh, you know, examples where create re- realism, you know, um, creating uh, copies of uh, famous places in, in uh, Game of Thrones or something, yeah. you know, like getting people a chance to visit them, even though they're not, they're sort of realistic copies, but yeah. they call, or, or maybe you know visiting i don't know there was a bergheim made in minecraft that was yeah. funny because you can't really access bergheim yeah. uh, even if you're in berlin necessarily yeah. you have to be lucky at the door as well yeah. so but but yeah i think i think but it's a fun challenge that we all often have with our clients as well to make them think like that yeah you know, yeah. like you're, there's no material cost here. Yeah. Like we can build your, we can do whatever we want. Where do you want your, uh, you know, where do you want your your video game? You want it on, in space or on a tropical island or uh, on something that looks like London, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. going to be sort of the same sort of costs. And yeah, totally. I think that that to me is the most exciting thing of like think even thinking about clients that we work with and yeah things that we've spoken about previously when we've wanted to do stunts or experiential and, and, you know, the budgets weren't there to create these, you know, amazing, these amazing experiential worlds that they wanted to create. But suddenly if we were to do it in, you know, Fortnite or, or Roblox, it not only has the reach in the audience there, but the ability to create something that is, you know, beyond their wildest possible dreams. I yeah. Think that's, that's the really the most, the sort of most exciting bit. And again, the people experiencing these things don't kind of see it. Of course they know it's a game, but they don't really see it as like, fake or not real or they're never going to judge the brand for doing something ridiculous no they act- actively want that from the brands they want they want to be amazed they want yeah. to be wow they want it taken to the next level every 100%. single time it comes out which is super interesting talk us through one of your favorite case studies we were sort of talking before we went went live about one that you just went live with yourselves and yeah. experience for a brand and i think you can talk about it it'd be nice to know yeah so two days ago we went live with uh, our project for amazon music which was a really, really cool project, which was actually more the focus of the campaign was a broadcast, really, or and the content that would come out of that broadcast. And because, you know, Amazon Music came to one of the agencies that collaborated with, they wanted to do a gaming activations around music. And basically, I came up with this sort of general idea of like, you know, p- let's pair up some of the, you know, the biggest artists in, in the UK with some of the biggest gamers and then let them compete in a sort of game show format inside of these branded Fortnite maps. So so the so this activation was a bit different from what we usually do, which is more where it's about like how many players can we get to play our brand experience. Here the the gaming element more served as a set really for the content. Mm. And I think this this is just a good example of like I think there's going to be so many more of these versions that you can use this new medium to to create marketing that's not just, you know, Nike land in Roblox. 
which yeah, is what we've been. Like, uh, it's almost like a function of branded content, like you said there. So it's something again, still bending the realms of what's possible. And yeah. you know, if you can't get A one and J one in the same place, and you can't get yeah. whoever it is, and or young Philly, and you can't get all of these people to to be together necessarily for a particular moment to do a particular they weren't, thing. They weren't together. Yeah, they they were together. all streaming from different parts, and that yeah. also just makes the gaming content more real yeah because that is something you know i used to work in esports for five years and 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 basically you know this is the uh, you know a lot of broadcasters are frustrated with this because like production value doesn't you know like you put on the biggest show in a stadium you know a one popular gamer with a popular stream he might have more viewers than your stadium show sitting in front of his computer in in his bedroom right yeah which is uh, and so so yeah it was it was a really really cool concept and i think we're going to see more and more of those you know and more and more use cases of of like um of doing using this new medium that's this new tool that uh, you know any marketer it's accessible to them yeah yeah the other big thing the big project that we did was our first client uh, you know uh, <laughs> of all was a unilever which uh, i don't know how we managed to do that as our first client but we did <laughs> uh maybe someone listens now and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um we worked with with Unilever and their brand Sunsilk, and we built uh, a Roblox game for them called Silk, Sunsilk City, and it was a massive success. Almost 40 million plays visits now. That would probably result in about 20 million unique visitors uh, for a shampoo brand. It's more visitors than Nike has on Nike Land, mm-hmm. which is like you know, as a marketer, it's quite. You're always happy when you beat Nike. Yeah, I, I would say. So yeah, that that would, yeah was massive success with that. Also an example, I think, of like if you deliver a good experience, it doesn't matter if you're Nike or Sunsilk or or Alo Yoga, right? Yeah. Like who did the best experience? Who delivered the most awesome stuff? You know. Mm. And I guess all the brands we've spoken about. I wanted to kind of ask this talk near the beginning, but it's kind of popped back into my mind. All of the brands we've spoken about today have been quite big brands, though. Yeah. Do you think they're it? And but one of the theme, themes you've spoken about is this democratization. What would be your advice to, or what do you think is the threshold where you should start as a brand to think about creating an experience in the space? And if I was a, a low budget brand, for instance, or I didn't really have much budget, I was a startup or a scale up, for instance, who still wanted to enter the space, maybe had a, had a modest size budget, let's say from 10 to 100K, that whole yeah. that whole range. What what can I do? How What would be your path to, you know, maybe if they, they couldn't afford a Carter or they couldn't afford a small world or yeah. whatever that might be, what would be... How would they approach it? Go and find an independent developer with an idea that they have. Go and what would what would be your advice? What would I mean? In a sense, this is the on now. I'm sort of teasing the future of our company. A bit. Yeah. So you're getting like the scoop here, <laughs> okay. but we're working on exactly that. Okay, trying to solve this because it is a real problem. Yeah. Because right now, you know, uh, if it's not a big budget and a big brand, if it's not a prestigious brand but with maybe a smaller budget yeah a football club a music artist etc we have can't work with them right yeah but i think honestly for for smaller brands there's no there's no real stress there's no like yeah as we t- talked about there's probably no first movers advantage it's like no one remembers who had the first youtube uh, you know page or the first instagram you know like it's about who does it best so i think I think it's about, are you talking to this audience? That's the first question to, uh, to ask yourself. It, uh, you know, should I be on Roblox? You know, are you trying to reach young people that's like, you know, under 
under 15, 16, you know? Yes, no. Oh, yes. Yeah, then probably you should at least continue to look at the space, you know, and keep informed about what's happening on Roblox, etc. Uh, and the same thing, you know, you know, for Fortnite, because it, the metaverse, yes, it's been sold to many people. It's this, oh, it's going to change the world, etc. But business hasn't changed. You know, it's like it's about like, is, is the, your audience there? Can you sell things? Do you want to sell to people that are on these platforms? Yes, no. That's a, as simple as as it gets. And then, yeah, all I can say is that um, basically what we're trying to do is is make this space more accessible and, uh, you know, trying to come up with ways to make it faster, better, more cost efficient to do virtual experiences. And what I hope to see is that we sort of, uh, like right now, everything is very much custom bespoke, right? Yeah. And just like how websites was in the beginning, they were all custom, bespoke, expensive things to get in the, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s as well. And now we have the world of Squarespace and et cetera, right? And I think, you know, that's what we want to get to, a world where it becomes simpler, easier, more off the shelf, easier to connect with the right people. And uh, I can't announce exactly how we're going to do this, but we're working on it. (laughs) I can say that we're working on it. That actually would have been a really nice time to to wrap up the pod. But I've got, uh, we spoke about before, we kind of want to end on a bit of a challenge, I guess. And the challenge that we were talking about in particular, and you kind of touched on it before, you said, you know, at the moment, these experiences are you know, what generally as well, marketing, I think, especially since the advent of performance marketing has been recorded in views. Oh my God. Yeah. That's kind of the metric that people hold up, right? How many millions of views did this thing? Exactly. Get? Even though we know that one, those aren't necessarily the same, the same, but also necessarily truthful metrics as well. And I guess the challenge that we were speaking about, right, is how can you, when you're sitting in a boardroom, say a Unilever, Nike, whoever it is, and yeah. you're a CMO or whoever, you're trying to show the success of this experience that you've created and you're being judged purely on uh you know millions of reach what what is kind of the argument you can put forward to say well no actually maybe this had less people who've actually actually seen it compared to our big tv campaign but yeah i think it's about in a sense you know i think yeah now uh, actually this is you know we talked about uh, alo yoga having maybe 45 million sunset city having uh, you know, close to 40 million visits. But what I actually didn't mention is that the, you know, average play time on this is, you know, uh, four to six minutes. I don't know Alu Yoga's official. I don't have, but I would estimate it to be maybe, yeah, between four or six minutes, somewhere there. Which, you know, if you put that together in terms of like minutes of engagements and hours of engagements, it's it's huge, right? I think I tried to do a calculation of comparing it to buying 30 seconds at Super Bowl. But, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I got it right, but I, I think it was sort of, uh, you know, similar. And obviously that's a lot more expensive than uh, building a Roblox game. But I think, yeah, the big question, and I think this is something that maybe, you know, I think event marketers have always, experiential marketing has always sort of struggled on saying why why reaching 10,000 people in a physical space is worth the same as reaching uh, 1 million in the virtual space, right? You mentioned Rory Sutherland earlier. He's, you know, yeah, a big fan of him. And, and I, I think he's, uh, you know, onto something that we can't, 
you know, it's this is about humans. It's not just about maths and one, one pair of eyeballs are not. Uh, yeah, not all eyeballs are created equal. Yeah, that's the one. Not yeah, not all eyeballs are created equal. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's his, it's the same argument like we spoke about before when microsites first came about yeah. way back in the 2000s and that was suddenly the big marketing innovation that people love to play with yeah. the main argument there and, and is with with any piece of marketing there's push and pull marketing right there's yeah. there's marketing that tries to just fill people's inbox and, and go there's inbound and outbound basically yeah, yeah, exactly there's marketing that gen you know generally is trying to to generate sort of leads and, and getting people to serving it up to people and, yeah. and hoping that they click hoping that they like to see it and counting that as an eyeball for instance but then there's forms of marketing that people actively seek out there's branded content that people search for on youtube there's experience exactly people genuinely you know every person who decided to go to that nike experience or the aloe yoga experience or the sun sunset city experience off their own back decided to go and experience this thing on off their own back they made that conscious decision and therefore that and how do we compare those two how do you compare those uh, two? It's, it's so least, hard it's at least a multiple of times two because you're, you're it should at be at least as at least more. amount yeah I, I i would agree with that and uh yeah we need some some good good mathematicians on on our uh the the, the super bowl ad one i've seen that many times like super bowl ad is always a good analogy of if you can work out you know how much it costs to buy a 30 second super bowl ad and how many eyeballs you get from that and then crunch the numbers on a virtual experience and how much it costs you to put that on it, it always ends up as kind of a better um better roi and then you've got the multiple of whatever multiple you want to knock on times yeah. four times ten but it's also hard because obviously buying yeah then uh then it because it's not even that simple right because they what's the pr value of doing a yeah. super bowl ad yeah. what's the pr value of doing oh yeah it's a mess that's, but that's but it, to me you know i'm as someone that has I'm a decent copywriter, uh, yeah. but uh, and I'm a marketeer at heart. But my favorite medium is experiential in the real world, in the virtual world. You get people to yeah seek out your experience, but also get involved and being a part of something instead of just passively consuming a message. And you know, my theory is that yeah, that sh- that on its own is also like you know a three x, a four x of what some someone watching. Or not even what you don't even know if they actually watched. But we can actually tell that people were playing. They were walking around. They they were doing things. You know. Yeah. yeah. So it's a tough one. But yeah, it's uh, in the world we're living in today, where yeah, performance marking, the data is king. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is a challenge, and yeah, it's something I'm. Uh, you know, I've uh, yeah, been fighting for on when I was on event side, which I'm sure every event marketer that's listening, you know, like, oh, you're going to spend all that money to reach that little people, yeah. you know, like, yeah, but it's different. It's yeah. not the same, you know. Well, hopefully we've put forward some of the arguments that you, people can have, at least, you know, whether it's the equating it to a Super Bowl ad, whether it's Rory Sutherland's argument, which we didn't touch on, but is over, um, you know, 60,000 eyeballs watching this, uh, watching the Super Bowl, watching the band at halftime isn't the same as the people actually watching the game, for instance, you know, the people exactly. the game are there to actually watch the game. They're not there to watch the, the band at halftime, but there's still 60,000 eyeballs. All of those types of analogies and, and kind of um, evidence are probably the places that you start. Yeah. It's a very big difference, isn't it? It's a very big difference, yeah. yeah. There's one last thing that we always want to ask um, people who come on, and that's who should we have on next? Preferably a brand owner that you know and love, somebody that you sort of can, can introduce us to and, get, and kind of get on the podcast next. Um, 
is there anybody that you would recommend to sort of come on? I mean, I, I always recommend from Kaf, who, who runs the metaverse department at Man City. I think she is uh, she, in the, because she's also like, maybe I am more focused on the sort of gaming world, connecting with young people. She's across that, across, you know, Web3. I think, yeah, she's a really interesting person. Yeah, I think that's my... Cool, let's see if we can get her on. Mm, cool. I've been Dan. If you like the podcast, please share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or even just to a mate. If you or anyone you know runs a brand that you think would be perfect for small talk, then get them to hit us up on hello at smallworld.marketing. We're Small World, and this was Small Talk.